0: tom chick and you are listening to the quarter to three games podcast for the very end of march and the very beginning of april as i said i am tom chick and i would like to open by letting you know that my game of the week is not ridge racer unbounded
1: and i'm jason mcmaster and my game is not armored core any of them
2: And uh, I'm Seth Berkowitz, and I need you to know that my game of the week is not MLB 12, the show for the Vita.
0: Oh, but that leaves us open for the PlayStation
2: 3 version, doesn't it? Dun-dun-dun!
0: Great. All right, well, uh, Seth, thank you for joining us. You are playing a baseball game right now, and I was kind of wondering if we were going to dodge that bullet, uh, (laughs) because I know nothing about baseball. Uh, McMaster, what do you know about baseball? Not a lot.
2: Happy opening day, everyone, by the way. Did something open today? Uh, in Japan, early this morning by our time, the Mariners uh, beat the Oakland Athletics by a score of 3-1 to one in Japan at the Tokyo Dome. They do this, uh, I don't know if it's every other year or what it is, but they open the season uh, a little early in Japan, sort of as a, a goodwill gesture, I believe.
0: It's kind of sad, though, that... So the Mariners are Seattle, right? Did I get that right?
2: That's right. And they have, uh, they have uh, uh, Ichiro Suzuki, who's uh, the famous uh, uh, Japanese player star who came over here to play for the Mariners. Very popular. So,
0: so they, they couldn't find some place to play baseball here in, in, the, in America?
2: They could have but for some reason, I thought I guess they thought it was a good idea to go over there and uh and and mess up those those poor players' circadian rhythms by make, by by introducing the worst jet lag possible oh that's making, a great way to open a season yeah and making them uh, uh uh play baseball, but uh it seems like they appreciate it
0: we know we'll eventually get to our games of the week, and maybe who knows maybe we'll be hearing a lot more about baseball uh Seth, you are currently writing our game diaries for m l b twelve the show um, I am. So you're obviously acquainted with baseball and baseball video gaming and Tiger Woods and stuff like that. Uh, so we we might get back around to that. But but first, I have a question for you. Yes, please. Are you related to the Son of Sam, yes or no?
2: I am not. Because that was going to be r- really awkward if you were. That's not disappointing to you?
0: Uh, it's like when I get asked if I'm related to Jack Chick, who does these weird anti-Catholic oh, yes. tracks. Yeah.
2: Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, in uh, yeah. my in my heart of hearts, I really want to be able to say yes, I am, but uh, unfortunately, I'm not.
2: Uh, I guess that's the question I've been asked most in my life, and the, the the only thing it makes me think of now is that my I, uh, my father, God knows how many times he's heard it in his lifetime, was uh, going to join a. Um, uh, fitness, uh, facility, a gym. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when the, uh, the desk clerk who was sort of taking his registration information, uh, made a comment that way, he just turned around and left and, uh, did not join that gym.
0: Your father, Oh, your father sounds like, uh, he doesn't have much of a sense of humor <laughs> or he's, he's probably just sick of that joke.
2: I think he's just, he's extremely funny, but I think he's just sick of that, that, that whole, uh, reference. Well, it's. Kind I am of, not you know, though. I love it. I embrace it. In fact, in fact, I I was dying when I was uh, uh recently trying to think of a band a new band name a couple of years ago. Thought that the Sons of Sam would be excellent. <laughs> that is nice. Um, but That's it seems cool. that it, it was already taken on MySpace. It may have been an Italian three-piece indie band. I don't remember the details, but uh, it it wasn't up for grabs, sadly. Otherwise, I would I would I would have grabbed it.
0: So uh, McMaster, who is the most famous? So, so we have, of course, David Berkowitz and Jack Chick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seth and I both have famous people with our last names. McMaster, who is the most famous person with the last name McMaster?
2: Yeah, McMaster, who's the famous person with your last name? Yeah,
0: what do you got? Well, it, like, it kind of depends.
1: There's the University in Canada. There's, um, there's also, if, if you remember Tombstone, there was a, uh, McMaster and Tombstone, and that guy is a real guy.
2: I love Tombstone.
1: Um, then there was, uh, That's, I'm, you mean I'm also, the movie or just yeah, the, the, yeah, the events. Yeah. The, yeah, the movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, he, but, uh, I'm also related to, uh, Johnny Ringo, uh, in some weird, author. Johnny Ringo from the Beatles. Yeah. Johnny. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I actually have no idea who Johnny Ringo is, but uh, He's the, me ba- the
1: bad guy from tombstone played by, uh, Michael beans or beyond or Bob. I don't know. Whatever. The guy from alien as well.
0: So basically, you're related to cowboys.
1: Yes, yes.
0: All right. McMaster, I'd like to see you in a 10-gallon hat one day.
1: Well, sure. I mean, if I'm hankering for a hunk of cheese, it might be five gallons flat, but I would try.
2: <laughs> Very nice. I don't know what that means at all.
0: <laughs> that's that's cowboy talk.
1: <laughs> that's from the Saturday morning cartoons, the, uh, uh-huh. the guys that would tell you about uh, digestion and uh, stuff like that. And, oh, wow. Uh, the chomper, the guy who ate celery sticks all the time, stuff. All right, never mind.
0: So that's uh, Digest- Digestion Cowboys uh, from Saturday Morning <laughs> <laughs> Cartoons, right? Uh, uh, so, uh, Seth, you are actually, your, your job hmm. there in New York, you have a pretty highfalutin job. Do you think uh, so? I do, I do. Don't no. you? I mean, it's, you are you are what's called a film restorationalist.
2: Yeah, that's right. Exactly right. Uh,
0: <laughs> and on my
2: business ca- on my yeah. business card, I, I do have supervisor on my business card, which is you know pretty. You, pretty wow, scary. that's
0: even if there's one thing more important than being a film restorationist, it's, it's supervising, supervising them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so explain to folks what what it is you actually do.
2: Well, uh, studios or archives have uh, obviously large libraries of uh, film elements that are usually in some uh, state of disrepair. Mm-hmm. So uh one of the services we provide is uh we will scan it at a high resolution uh preserve that original uh scan and then also um, make a restored version trying to restore it visually to uh uh how it looked originally I mean that's a tough thing to get to sometimes um and then uh we'll make new archival uh negatives and it'll be prepared for Blu-ray and uh then we throw it back at the owners of the uh, of the film
0: so, unfortunately, you guys do mess around with, like, uh, converting things to digital format? I mean, that's oh. just to save it? Uh,
2: to work on it, yeah. I mean, there is a photochemical department, too, which uh, uh, does great work, and we do do a lot of photochemical restoration. Um, but on my end, I'm on the digital side.
0: And uh, how did you come to a job like that?
2: I had a college friend who was on the photochemical side when they were starting the digital side. It's not something I – mean, it's very specialized software, so it's not like there are people just sitting around – in new york who knew how to do it Mm -hmm. so uh they were just sort of brainstorming people who might take to it and uh, i was put forward i came in i slept my way to the top and uh the rest (laughs) as they say is history well it
0: sounds like there's a bunch of lurid detail in in that (laughs) but uh we'll skip over that we'll save your dignity uh i want to specifically ask you about when you and i first sort of met you mentioned a movie that you had worked on i would say it is kubrick's best movie Mm -hmm. uh do you agree glory (laughs) i do i love i love of glory
1: yeah but it's not as
0: (laughs) (laughs) fast right everybody knows that's eyes wide shut please oh
1: duh jesus come on it's ai (laughs) what are you talking about
0: (laughs) uh so but you did clean up apparently uh a little dr strange love
2: right that's right that was uh the first well the second the second major uh, uh is that right yep yeah, it was really fun to work on. One of my favorite parts is because when we're working on it, we're we're scanning obviously the whole frame and um uh I I I reserved for myself the shot of of uh uh, uh Slim Pickens riding the bomb down. Oh
1: yeah, you have to.
2: And uh so I worked on that alone for a really long time and uh uh <laughs> what's great about when you have the actual scan is you can see uh the edges of the projection that's behind him you can see sort of the apparatus that that the missile is sitting on so you get a sense of of the onset uh uh, experience of shooting that that, that's very different very revealing and uh man i loved it yeah it was so cool
0: now so tell me about what you guys actually did to it so first of all seth was this like for a, a dvd release or just for a studio's archives or for whom were you doing this work
2: a uh, bit of both. Uh, this is a film-owned, I don't know if I can say the studio, no, anyone would know. It was a Columbia picture, so all that stuff is owned by Sony. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, so it, it, there is a Blu-ray out. The Blu-ray you'll find, the most recent one, is from our restoration. Uh, they also, uh, at the time, Sony was uh, sort of coming out with their 4K projector. Um, so this was sort of, as far as older catalog films, a good showpiece for uh, a, a digital cinema package shown on those 4K projectors. Mm-hmm. This is sort of inside baseball. I don't know if this is <laughs> really that interesting. but um, uh, uh, so, and, and they got a new negative. I mean, basically, you name it, we, we provided it for them. Well, the inside baseball I want to know about is what you decided to uh,
0: muck around with and what you decided to leave al- alone.
2: Right, well, like the uh because uh, if you are watching the film on the shots of the bomber uh sort of flying over Russia, you can see the, the strings were visible in most okay. of the shots, and there was a lot of there was a lot of discussion at the time over whether we should take those out or not um, and eventually it was decided I don't remember who made the the, uh, the final call, I think I do, but I won't say his name uh, okay. decided to leave it in, which is the right decision but i i I've also heard rumors that it was taken out since then, and I'm not sure. Um, I should why, look into it, but
0: why? What, what is the argument for taking the strings out? Because I, I I am flabbergasted mm-hmm. that someone no. would want to do that. What yes. what, is, what is the thinking yeah.
2: behind? that? No re- relics of production are interesting, right? And, and you know, honor the original process. Um, but uh, and I, I I'm not going to say that they did this because I I really have to double check. But um, the the only argument I suppose for it would be that. This is a terrible argument and I, I should
0: <laughs> So, be a play devil's advocate. We understand that you are mm-hmm. not espousing this view you were about Okay, espousing. no,
2: this isn't terrible. Uh, if they could have been less visible at the time, you have to think that the the creators of the film would have made them less visible. That it was a limit, that 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 it's not it doesn't desecrate the process so much as honor uh, what would have been original intent.
0: Okay, well you know what? I'm gonna respond to that uh, that argument with a line from McCabe and Mrs. Miller. You ready Ooh. for this?
2: How are you doing this? This is this is bring all my worlds together. This is I know. okay. guess I'm ready.
0: And if a frog had wings, he wouldn't bump his ass when he jumped. <laughs> So there you go. That's my rebuttal. I, I would bring that up in a, in a formal debate, and I would win yeah. the debate with that.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I think, I think they were left in uh, ultimately because that's the right thing to do.
0: Uh, now, OK, but one of the things that you guys did muck with, I'm not mm-hmm. sure how I feel about this one. Uh, oh, tell what's me. The, what's the other one? Because you mentioned this that uh, there, there's a lot of stock footage. I say a lot of stock footage. There's ah, a lot of stock yeah, footage yeah. Of nuclear
2: explosions. Yeah. Um, you guys couldn't leave that alone, could you? No, no. We did clean that up. That was hard. Um, so explain what you did and what the thinking was behind that. <laughs> no, I can't, I can't, there was a, there, there's a, there's a, 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 a great, you know, producer associated with, uh, every, every one of these restorations and, uh, I, I couldn't begin to speak for him, but. Here's what I thought afterwards when, okay. when we cleaned it up. So I'm going to speak for myself and not try and uh, say what anyone else is well,
0: thinking. Well, tell about. us what you did. I mean, I, I'm only kind of giving you a little guff, but tell well, us what it was that was cleaned up first.
2: <laughs> well, the film, I mean, obviously had dirt, scratches, flicker, and maybe some motion in places. That, the, that was, the stock footage, not the actual. No, the, and the, the actual film itself, too. So, ah, so that okay. was cleaned up. But obviously, when you get to the stock footage, the, uh, the magnitude is just uh, tenfold higher. Um,
0: it's way dirtier. You can tell it's stock footage. It, yeah. it looks like different. Right, right.
2: Yeah. What I thought was interesting after we cleaned it up, um, and I think we did the right thing because it, it really would have been jarring to go from what was a really cleaned up image to, to, to that, uh, especially in the case of the uh, the nuclear explosions, when there's that damage baked in, uh, there was almost a a, a buffer between you and, and and what you were seeing of, like, uh, oh, oh! this was shot somewhere else and inserted. Right. And when that was taken out, that explosion is so immediate uh, and so present and so unfiltered um, that I thought it actually got creepier. <laughs> does that make any sense? You know, it does. It does.
0: Yeah. And I, uh, but I, you know, I wonder, did Kubrick like want that layer there? I mean, he absolutely. really didn't have a choice because it was stock footage and that's yes, going to absolutely. happen. Um, yeah. But I so associate that with, uh, you, you know, otherwise, if he wanted Whoa. to do a special effect of just, just a bunch of nuclear explosions, that would have mm-hmm. been one thing. But mm-hmm. what he wanted to do is show us these images of nuclear explosions with which we are already familiar. You know, yeah. everybody has seen several of those shots. They're, they're kind of shots that we recognize. Yeah. And to... To, to have that clearly indicated in the movie by the difference between the film footage and the stock footage, I think is part and parcel of what is going on at the ending of, of Doctor Strangelove.
2: That I is totally valid. We deal, we deal with this stuff all the time, these kind of questions, especially yeah. because a lot of the older films' uh, stock footage is, is worked in. And, and um, I mean, it's hard, it, 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 it's hard enough to sell uh, uh, studios on putting out catalog films on Blu ray because a lot of them aren't the right aspect ratio. Um, to take advantage of, of, of the full width of a modern, you know, HDTV. Um, so there's so many struggles and, yeah. um, uh, I have to think that one of the things is, is, is it, modern on- audiences not being used to seeing certain, uh, you know, disruptions. Right. Um, and, um, yeah, interesting questions.
0: Now, as a member of modern audiences, I actually have something that I'm wondering if maybe you guys could do, uh, mm-hmm you know with older films like uh you, oh, you, know, you don't you
2: don't want us to start from scratch with the star wars prequel trilogy we just, we I don't make...
0: I'm not familiar what is that I don't know that I'm not acquainted with it <laughs> whatever that was you just mentioned I'm not familiar with it so uh, what I'm wondering about though are uh uh you know famous movies like uh like citizen kane or, or grand illusion i'm wondering if if a company like like yours yeah. if you guys could maybe take those movies and somehow make them less boring oh <laughs> terrible oh, oh come no, is there nothing that can be done? Is is it just a hopeless call? I don't know. Maybe it is. I I just I'm sure there's some the, the kind of wizardry you do. Nope. Maybe
2: uh, it you is. Know. Tom, it's hopeless and set in stone as the ending of Mass Effect Three is
0: oh i see what you've done there you've crossed the beams and or the the streams in a way i'm not sure that that works but okay (laughs) Uh, i just feel that you know like grand illusion if there was like a cg dinosaur or something when they're in the don't they wander around in the snow a lot in that movie they hunt hunt rabbits right Mm, i i will take your word for it i haven't seen it since high school it's
2: it's been a while college for me yeah but uh i I do remember some (laughs) rabbit hunting but, yeah, if they were some little CG creatures that they were hunting instead, that could be exciting.
0: Yeah, you know, or just, you know, little Easter eggs. Like, you know, put a Totoro in the corner of the screen or something. That would be adorable. <laughs> Totoro's
2: it, for everyone.
0: Yeah, and it would give me something to do while I'm having to sit through the movie.
2: Do you not like Citizen Kane?
0: You know what, I couldn't tell you. So, again, I, I when I saw it, I'm sure I was way too young to appreciate it. I'm sure if I were to go back and, and watch it, I, I could maybe get into it uh it strikes me as one of those chore movies that you watch and respect Mm. but don't necessarily enjoy and i could be way off base there is Mm. is that wrong Um, no i I
1: actually honestly i enjoyed it i think it's a good movie me
2: too i think i think it's totally totally great totally watchable um uh but mccabe and mrs miller you're a fan
0: oh good lord yeah yeah i mean i love uh, first of all, like westerns are not really my genre. So when a western does something different, like the as, as that North one does, western, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's so atypical. Uh,
2: yeah.
0: So yeah, I love that. And uh, do you know a, a Michael Winterbottom
2: movie called The Claim? Uh, I you, know you, of you? it. Okay, I don't believe I've seen it yet, but uh, similar feel, I, I assume. Very similar. I mean, it's a it's
0: a it's sort of a western set in the high Sierras. It's mm-hmm. not, and, and it's actually an adaptation of a Thomas Hardy novel, oddly enough, called The Mayor of. At any rate, it's an adaptation of something that takes place in England, but Michael Winterbottom took it and he put it in the High Sierras as a western, uh, and it's it's about the the construction of the railroad, and it's about this like it's got this almost sort of Greek tragedy lurking underneath it. Uh, But the claim is is amazing, and it's it you know it it reminded me a lot of McCabe and Mrs. Miller, which is just a a classic. McCabe
2: is one of my yeah one of my top three. I have a fond memory in college. I was a projectionist for classes uh, of uh, bringing a, a then girlfriend down to the theater, and we we watched it on 16 uh, in the theater. It was uh, very fun, great movie. Yeah. Leonard Cohen soundtrack, wonderful.
0: No way! What? Are you serious? I don't even remember that. <laughs> yeah. Wow, wow. I'm not sure that I. I is that going to sound silly if I were to go back and watch that now? What do you mean? Well, Leonard Cohen just put out a new album, and right. I, I, you know, when I was in college, like Leonard Cohen was like so deep and profound, but now he just kind of sounds like a, a rasping old fellow, right? I yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe earlier Cohen, like in the McCabe and Mrs. Miller soundtrack, yes. would, would he's work.
2: still got a, a, a sort of a velvety. Uh, voice at that point and the songs are great they don't they, they nothing directly sort of talking about the action but thematically lining up and uh and with the rain and everything i mean it, it's brilliant were they songs that he did for the movie or were they just pre-existing leonard cohen songs do you know i don't know that and i i, I think i looked into that recently because i had that very question and i forget what the answer was but okay.
0: um, um uh mcmaster you already brought up tombstone uh so as a western aficionado do you know McKay smiller
1: <laughs> Uh, I do not,
2: actually. Do you know My Darling Clementine, which is the John Ford telling of the uh, Wyatt Earp story?
0: Uh, I believe I've seen it. but It's a good it's one. Been, it's a good yeah, one. That, that's another one where I think maybe you guys could do some work like a little CG or make those less boring, <laughs> some of those those early westerns. I just don't get that stuff. I, I don't know. Yeah, actually, you know what? I say that, but I I, recent, I say recently. In the last five years, I, I saw for the first time... Um, that stagecoach? What the heck is That's... that? John Wayne one where Natalie Wood gets kidnapped by Indians? Oh, um... El Topo. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, the Searchers. Uh, yeah, right. The right. Searchers is freaking amazing, uh, and so is. Uh, and this is again another one that if you were to tell me, "Hey Tom, watch this," I would, I would, I would whine about. No, it's boring <laughs> and black and white. I'm not going to watch it. But when I watched um, uh, High Noon, I was like, well, "Oh, it's wow. great! This is awesome!" Yeah, so. Great. Citizen Kane as good as High Noon? Because if so, I will totally watch Citizen Kane. <laughs> I can see
2: why you think it's not as entertaining.
0: Okay. There's no gunfights in Citizen Kane, right? No.
1: Yeah. Just and a bunch of anger.
0: They don't If they don't, like, burn a barn and have horses run out of a burning barn in Citizen <laughs> Kane, I just, I don't see how it can be interesting. <laughs> so
1: do you like the spaghetti
0: westerns, Tom,
1: at least? I mean- you know what?
0: I, here we go. Uh, not really. Oh. <laughs> I know. How crazy is that? Oh. Did I just squander a lot of credibility?
2: That's a blind that's actually a blind spot in my uh in my viewing history i don't really I'm not that up on the Leone stuff. Well, you've certainly seen like the good, the bad, and the ugly, right Maybe my sister showed it to me when I was like ten years old, but I don't I don't remember the details.
0: A lot of that stuff just seems kind of like weirdly overblown and just uh no. such a relic of the time and of
2: like a lot <laughs> of that stuff doesn't really work for me these days now, the, the last one I saw of that ilk, I think which did Clint directed it himself it was High Plains Drifter.
0: That's
1: a good
2: movie. Which I loved. <laughs> it's a crazy movie. Isn't that he, where he sings? That's a musical, right? No.
1: <laughs> I mean, uh, that's that's like, north like, to Alaska, isn't it? And John
2: Wayne. Uh, isn't that Play Misty for me or something, something <laughs> like that?
1: <laughs> that could be it a- too.
0: No, that's a DJ serial killer. I thought there was a Clint Eastwood Western musical. It's obviously something I'm thinking of something different. Oh,
1: no, there might be. I don't know.
2: But High Plains Drifter, uh, you said you saw that recently, Seth? Uh, Yeah, I liked it a lot. I mean, he's very very unlikable. I think one of the first things that he does when he shows up to town is rape a woman. Sure. Um,
1: That's how he introduces himself around. Right.
2: (laughs) And then by the end, the, the whole town's covered in blood. It's incredible. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's pretty awesome. You know what? Okay, I'm going to Netflix that. That sounds dark. I, li- yeah. I like dark. It
2: is dark.
1: That's uh, a, that's a pretty abstract. Uh, yeah. Western. Yes.
2: <laughs> yes. He may or may not be real. I mean, it's 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 the out app. there.
1: You never know. <laughs>
0: You know that that makes me think of because that's part of my problem with like a lot of the John Ford westerns. They of course are from a very uh, different time period and no. a very different culture. But a lot of that stuff just seems kind of like whitewashed and and sort of stirring and, and whatever. Like I I like darker things. I, I'm a huge uh, fan of like, 70s cinema. Yeah. Uh, so and there's a, there's a touch of that in things like. Um, High Noon, you know, which mm-hmm. is sort of about betrayal and being let down or even The Searchers, which has a real real dark undertones about racism yeah. uh, underneath it. Uh and is that John Ford though? That is John Ford, is it? Absolutely, yeah. You know what? I take back then what I what I'm saying. I yeah. So basically, I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to Westerns. I that's a cultural gap in my knowledge as well.
1: So. Well, finally, what about Unforgiven?
2: Oh, well, that's I mean, Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, exactly. that's one of my favorite movies. Too.
0: Yeah. yeah that's, that's
2: that's awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's right. so uh thanks for having me on the Q QT, the qt3 uh, movie podcast
0: sure yeah we might <laughs> we'd, if, you, if you guys don't mind we might talk <laughs> about games a little later uh, so. well I, I love Seth that you are a huge movie nerd i get the sense that if you and i were to like hang out we would just like it would be like some guys with sports
2: and you probably know how that is i do know a little bit how that is yeah
0: and i can't do those sports conversations but with another I, movie I, nerd I, like you i could i could just talk all day about
2: movies. I, I have more trouble than you'd think with with sports conversations too because so much of it I don't know. You, you aren't probably aren't around it a lot, but uh, uh, so much of it hinges on prediction. Uh, I don't know if you've yeah. noticed. Oh, yeah, like how's Pete Rose going to do in the game this Saturday? Which is utterly meaningless in the end, and uh, I, I just don't really understand the point of it. Things will happen, surprises will occur, and uh, so, so I'm often on the outside looking in when it comes to sports talk. Uh, as much have- as I love sports and sports video games. So you must have a team, right? Like the what, Yankee, or like what? What's like New York has a famous team, right? Uh, yeah, not the one that I root for, but uh, I, I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they are I like true. the I like the other one. Oh, well, you guys like have two teams. One. That's right, because that's yeah. what Subway
0: Series is when they fight each
2: other. Hey, exactly. Uh,
0: <laughs> what is? Uh, so you are? Is it the Mets? Like you're a that's Mets right. fan? Is that what's going on?
2: Very good. Yeah, they, they are literally ten minutes from me on the train or a bike ride away. So, so, so uh, how do you think they're going to do this year? Terribly. Wait, did I just, oh, I'm sorry. Did I just predict something? going yeah, terribly.
0: Is that? Are you allowed to say that? Well, that's, it's it's, it's, a, it's a safety.
2: Match. It's a safety stance. I mean, if they if they surprise me, that's fine. But I don't need to get my hopes up and then be dashed. See, All
1: right. see I, I live in Cincinnati, and you know oh, we have the red. We have the red, big red machine in the, the '70s. Yeah. So, we yeah. Have the so yeah, if you live in Cincinnati, you get used to. A disappointment so you just like you assume they suck and then if they don't you're like hey all
0: right but otherwise because
2: the you know. reds made the playoffs last year right but then we're quickly exited they're all well, sort right. of on the up they're sort sure. of on an upswing yeah.
0: yeah so if i'm ever in a baseball conversation and i say hey it looks like the reds are on an upswing this year like that's a credible thing that i can say to make it sound like i know what i'm talking about
2: sure. uh yeah And, and okay. just hope that, hope that they don't press you further
0: Oh, is that how sports conversations work? Is there might there there might be a follow up question? No, no
2: actually, no, actually, probably the next comment will have nothing to do with what you said because everyone's just shouting things at each other.
1: <laughs> Basically, yes.
2: Um, uh, do you listen? To, to, go ahead. Sorry. Do I listen to sports talk radio? Yeah, because isn't that just people shouting at each other? Uh, I used to, but the, the commercials uh, uh, turn me off. I, I don't listen to them anymore. I listen to podcasts. I listen to video game podcasts all day when I'm at my station.
0: Uh, Because we don't have commercials, first of all, and because we don't shout at each other that
2: often. And I like thinking about video games.
0: (laughs) Uh, What I know about, (laughs) by the way, about sports talk radio, I know entirely, and this is true of many things that I kind of know, but what I know about sports talk radio, I know entirely from from movies yeah, and, and pretty much from one movie called Big Fan. With, uh, Pat Oswald playing this sort of disturbed, I don't, oh yeah, his deal was football, I think. Uh, I, he listens yeah. to, to sports talk radio in that movie. So.
2: I started watching that on Netflix, uh, instant and, uh, I didn't get far, not cause I didn't like it, just cause sometimes it's easy to get distracted on Netflix instant by, said, so, oh, I'll start watching, uh, uh something else.
0: Right. Um, or, or I'm going to tab over and check my email real quick. But I love,
2: I, yeah, <laughs> I love that early scene where he calls in with that rant and you can see how, 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 much he's thought about it how much yes. it means to him and just how utterly meaningless it is when it's all over <laughs> yes <laughs> well i would encourage you to, to stick with that because
0: that's a good I'm, no it's the guy that wrote the wrestler uh yeah. I think if i'm not mistaken it's a really good script and, and Patton oswald is so good throughout that and actually if i'm not mistaken there's a i forget who it was but the actress who plays his mother is really really good too mm. uh so and is, isn't Kevin Corrigan in that? But at any rate, yes. watch, watch Big Fan. Uh, I Stifler. will go back
2: and do that. Yeah, thank you. Uh,
0: we uh, a movie just opened called Goon, which is
2: with uh, um, Sean William Scott. Sean Stif- William Scott Stifler. Said, Stifler, right? Yeah, uh, right. who, who so, I like and who I like to see get work. So that's you know
0: good. what? Why do you say that?
2: Um, I just never. It's he plays assholes on the screen. But there's something about his energy that seems like he's a he's, he's a good-hearted fellow.
1: <laughs> I like and, the, I like and, and, the rundown.
2: Oh, you know what I like? Oh, you like the rundown. I didn't see that, but I liked him a lot in um, um, Role Models, which I think is a sort of an underrated film. Yep. That has a, a Marvin Hamlish joke, which you don't get a lot of these days. <laughs> Uh, I, well,
0: I I called you out on that Seth because I feel the same way. I really <laughs> like him a lot, but what did it for me
2: was a terrible, terrible Richard Kelly movie called Southland Tales. Uh, another one that I started watching on Netflix and yeah. did <laughs> I mean, I st- I started it up and there were like uh, there are clearly stills of uh, production art with voiceovers being shown to me, and I was <laughs> like, if you if you couldn't make this work with what you ended up shooting, like just just no.
0: Yeah, it was a, it's a huge mess, but he's really good <laughs> in it, and it's a kind of part he doesn't normally play. Like I really liked him in Southland Tales, but I, I don't, I don't recommend sticking.
1: You know, I, I like get, get that confused with uh, the Terry Gilliam movie,
0: uh, Doctor Parnassus. Yeah, that
1: one. No, the the one that was filmed in uh, Mobile, Alabama, um, Tideland. Tideland.
2: Oh yeah. Some-
0: Oh, every time, uh, so but master, I am I am giving you now the award on this podcast for the most random damn thing someone has said so far. <laughs> well, they, they both
2: have they both have land in the
0: title. Well, that's
1: that's what I'm saying. So, ah, I yeah, see. In land, yeah, that always.
0: So makes uh, me. I don't recommend Southland Tales. It's a huge sprawling mess. However. I, I'm one of those weird guys who thinks that Tideland is one of Terry Gilliam's best movies, and that's a weird thing to say because a lot of people don't like Tideland. It's very different from a lot of his movies. He didn't mm-hmm. write it, which is mm-hmm. a, which is which immediately sets it apart from most of his work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it has a it has a focus like it, it forces him to focus on a few elements. It's a it's a weirdly intimate personal movie uh i love tideland so uh
1: i want i want to see it i haven't seen it yet and i'm a big gilliam fan so I, I the, the dvd open uh,
0: the dvd starts with gilliam basically addressing the camera this wasn't in the theatrical release but for the dvd <laughs> it opens with him addressing the camera saying basically uh i know that most of you who watch this movie are going to
2: hate it
1: <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like him
2: that's a good way to so, knock down your expectations going in i suppose yeah.
0: Uh, or raise it. I mean, anything that Terry Gilliam thinks people will hate. I mean, that right there is something I gotta see. Uh,
2: <laughs> so, uh, watch, all right, go go ahead. Sorry, should watch Brazil at some point again. It's been a long time. That was a. a, a oh,
1: that's a that's yeah, that's one of my
2: movie I loved in college. I mean, it's a very college friendly movie in a lot of ways. But I, it's been a while since I've seen it, and I I like it so much.
0: Yeah, you, do you own the Criterion edition? Uh,
2: I did on DVD, and then I sold it back when I was young and poor.
0: Wow, that's sad. Like, you, you were at such dire straits, you had to sell your copy of Brazil. Yeah, that's one of the few
1: things that's made it with me. Uh, I was like, nope, I'm not getting rid of that, in case yeah. I ever want to watch the horrible yeah. Love Conquers All ending.
2: Early 20s can be a tough time.
1: <laughs> they can.
2: <laughs> uh, what's the last thing that you saw, Seth Berkowitz? I saw Friends with Kids on Sunday night. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. I enjoyed it.
0: No, come so what- on. Are you serious?
2: um oh, for PC. Is, that
0: thing was so annoyingly twee and i i loathed that movie is, <laughs> so i'm um, sorry i'm sorry you got me started but so so yeah you, you you dug it you were okay with it
2: i was okay with it there were a couple problems um but uh it's as as a person in my mid-30s living in new york uh i, I really identified with certain things that were being put forward
0: who the heck was the actress in that?
2: Didn't she Jennifer be- Je- Jennifer Westfeld? She did. Did you, did you see a uh, kissing Jessica Stein? Was the the Kiss- film she put out a few years ago? She
0: was so awful. Uh, no, I didn't. But that's her. Yeah. Maybe I should see that because I was like, who is this woman? Why did people give her money to make this movie? And how did she get this cast? I hate this. Like that was kind of my that was. I, that was she cool. is I was on a also in my head as I watched that movie.
2: Uh, kissing Jessica Stein, I thought was good. If you didn't like this, you probably won't like that either. Uh, she's also um, John Hamm's longtime girlfriend.
0: Ah, that explains a lot. You say no more. I completely now understand that movie. <laughs> I see what I see. how it is. All right. Uh, I'm sorry to, to be mean to the last movie you saw. Here. It's you, okay. You, you can be mean to the last movie I saw. Uh, it's
2: quite all right. Movie?
0: What was it? Uh, oh, I guess Hunger Games.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh. I, I, oh, started yeah. To I started listening today. <laughs> but, but I haven't seen it. I haven't listened to
1: that yet, no. I,
2: uh, I I have I read the books I really like them and I mm, I'll get to the movies eventually I think yeah I don't even think you should bother it's, yeah,
0: uh, yeah. Every, everyone else is seeing it so you don't have to <laughs> I mean that's kind of how that works yeah uh, with, with how well that's doing yeah but uh, master what's the last thing you saw so we can uh, make fun of it
1: I had kind of a double combo so you can kind of make fun of one or the other uh, the first one was uh I love Philip Morris. Ouch! Yeah, right. Uh, I was not a big fan. Um, Jim Carrey being gay. Yes. And Ewan McGregor,
0: McGregor, right?
1: Yes. And Ewan McGregor.
0: And the thing is, I just I like I don't uh, I, I don't pretend to know what, like, gay people should take umbrage at, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, what they find offensive. I love modern family, and I'm sure that some folks who are gay think that that's this sort of prancing, mincing portrayal of gay couples, and they're offended at it, and that's fine. I mean, I, I love the actors there, I love that subplot, but I really just found just kind of weirdly offensive, in as much as I can say that, the way that, that Jim Carrey and Ewan McGregor were in, in that Philip Morris movie, it was just so just like stereotypical and loud and florid, and uh, I was just like, if I was gay, this would really offend me. Uh, so, all right, what was the other one, McMaster? What's the second thing you saw? Uh,
1: the second thing I saw was um, um, Tucker and Dale versus Evil.
0: And what did you think of that?
1: I liked it uh, quite a bit, actually. It has a uh, God. What's that guy from uh, Firefly? Did you Alan Tudyk? Yes, Alan Tudyk, and the guy from Reaver. Terrible show.
0: I don't know his name, but you're talking about his sidekick, the guy who plays the other redneck.
1: Right, right, yeah, yeah, Uh, Uh, yeah. I thought it was pretty funny.
0: Whatever. It also has uh, one of my favorite actresses, Shalane Simmons from Chupacabra is, Terror. Is that the uh, blonde girl? She is the she is blonde. Yes, I don't know if I don't remember. If there's other blondes in that, but yeah, she's the a blonde girl. She's not the one who takes up with them. Uh, she's just one of oh. the incidental characters. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, but you know what? Rather than uh, sing the praises of chelan <laughs> simmons let's actually segue to some gaming wait otherwise-
2: can, I do, can i do one thing first you you absolutely may seth Berger. just do, one thing Tom do Shink. one thing for us yes i like this so much when you did it i don't know what episode it was mm-hmm. but i wanted to to mix it up a little bit and turn it back on you uh-oh but a minor quiz uh-oh are you,
0: re- are you ready oh i might be hoist on my own petard uh, a, a minor quiz yeah now is this are there any prizes for this
2: quiz uh like Shane. maybe a, a blu-ray copy of uh dr strange love i'd have to pull some strings to get that but i'll, I'll think about it In i already the meantime,
0: have a copy of Stranger- yeah i would love to do a quiz though what do you, Is this something that uh like uh
2: are there points involved or explain what this quiz is no this is this is an all or nothing basically quiz Ooh, okay high stakes all right what do you what one you question got? for honor wait it's would a quiz you- that consists of only one question well, in a sense. You'll see. It'll all become clear, Tom Chick. Awesome. Rock and roll. Um which of these is a Batman villain? Uh-oh. And not and not yeah. an adult film actress?
0: I wouldn't know any adult film actresses, so uh, I don't know how well I'll do, but but let's see let give give me your best shot. Let's see what you got for us, Seth Perkowitz
2: six entries six okay, entries so,
0: so i'm I'm setting i'm i'm basically separating the adult film stars from the
2: batman villains find me the batman villain among I this like
0: group. it good oh there's only one like do i get to know it's it's one batman villain and five adult film stars
2: i'm not going to answer that question find me <laughs> sneaky all right find me a batman okay <laughs> among this group give me the names can i get um, mcmaster
0: for- can i get mcmaster to help me by the way
2: yeah of course you guys can discuss it yeah absolutely. okay good all right mcmaster Number-
0: are you up for this you ready Oh, yeah.
2: Okay, here we go. Number one, Roxy Reynolds. (laughs) Number two, Ruby Ryder. Number three, Raven Riley. Number four, Rachel Rotten. Number five, Roxy Rocket. And number six, Rachel Rocks with two X's. Would you like to hear this again? No, I got them. Uh, All right. Rox Reynolds, Ruby Ryder, Raven Riley,
0: Rachel Rotten, Roxy right? – no, what's the
2: – Roxy Rocket.
0: Roxy Rocket and Rachel Rocks with two Xs. That's right. Good Lord.
1: Yeah, now, I'm not actually sure, to be honest. Um, I would have to guess.
0: <laughs> now, I would say if I did know, I would pretend I didn't know. So just keep that in mind when I say I have no idea – uh, Yeah, McMaster, I guess we're going to... Because that's tricky. He made them all like RRs.
1: Yeah, the least porny one is Raven Riley, but I don't trust it.
0: I, I think that's a real adult... I mean, I wouldn't know, but I'm pretty sure that's a real adult film star. <laughs> I don't think it's that one, McMaster.
3: Hmm.
0: I'm going to go with... Certainly not Ruby Rider. Way too, uh, too much innuendo. Rachel Rotten, please. No way. That's got to be some like... German shiso porn actress or something. Uh, Roxy Rocket? No, can't be that one. Rachel Rocks with two X's. It's got to be Roxy Reynolds, because that's that's not suggestive enough to be a porn star name. But I could see that being a Batman villainess. So I'm going to assume I'm going to my answer. Seth
2: Berkowitz is that Rocky Reynolds is the the Batman villain. Jason, are you are you all in on that answer? Do yeah, sure. Yeah, why not? You are wrong, Tom Chick. So is Raven Riley not an adult film star? Raven Riley is an adult film star.
0: Ah, see, I mean, I had no idea, but at least I got one right. So, Roxy Reynolds, which one? No, uh, wait a minute!
2: Wait a minute! Is none of these a Batman villain? Oh, no, I would never do that to you. Okay, I, that's too much of a too much of a qu- uh, trick question. Uh, correct answer would have been Roxy Rocket, a mm. minor character apparently uh, introduced in uh, 1994, and who may have made an appearance in the uh, animated series. And get this is the good one, Ruby Ryder is both an adult film actress and a uh, minor Batman villainess from the 1970s.
0: Tricky. Now I got to yeah. say though, I'm very uncomfortable with that one because my grandmother's name was Ruby. Ooh. So. There so, thanks. Nice work. You've insulted my grandmother's good name. Well done. All right. So, uh, McMaster, you and I both failed. I, I want to say, by the way, when we started this podcast, the music that we played was from your band, Seth, called uh, Lucky Ghost. Uh, in the game diaries you're doing for the front page, there's a link to uh, your band's page where you can download your albums. Mm-hmm, so, for free. When- for free, yes. Uh, so when I knew that we were recording, I downloaded several albums that I would give the music a listen and find one that had, like, a good opening hook to play, uh... So I did that a few days ago and then just today when I was sitting down at my computer, I saw something on my desktop called like sex griddle. And I was like, oh good, what what's been downloading on this laptop? What have I done? And I realized that was the That's name a,
2: that's a Raven Riley story.
0: movie. <laughs> uh so tell me about your band. So would it be correct to say that your band is and I'm awful at music, so forgive me if this is in any way insulting. Welcome to the quarter to three music podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. This is gonna be a very brief podcast. <laughs> but it's Lucky Ghost uh eighties synth
2: pop. I think that's a that's a good that's a good uh description, yeah. Hey I
0: got it right. It sounded like the music that you would hear in the movie Drive.
2: Yeah, I like that, yeah.
0: Uh, so tell us real quickly about your band before we get into games. So for the quarter to three music podcast segment of, of this show, uh, uh, how did Lucky Ghost start? Tell me a bit about it.
2: Oh, God. This is um, the culmination of uh, a slow buildup of uh, home recording capability, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which uh, basically I, I've been waiting for my, my entire life. Because you can have as many takes as you like, and, and it only costs the money that you already invested. Mm. Um, and uh, my wife sings on a couple songs, Susan, which is fun. Uh, and I got a bunch of great guys who are willing to come out and play live with me sometimes uh, to turn this music into real listenable on-stage stuff. And uh, yeah, I just I, you know I like I like sort of. I grew up in the 80s, and uh, that synthy, sad, tinkly stuff had a big effect, uh, effect on me. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. uh, and it's called Lucky Ghost, and uh, do yeah. you know off the top of your head The Earl? The Earl? Yeah. Is that, did I even say that
2: wrong? The URL, the, the, oh, webs, the, URL. the address,
0: I don't, I don't know. The, the Duke of Earl.
2: Yeah, www, uh, www.luckyghost.com. Oh, it is luckyghost.com. Well, I got nice it. Time. I had to wait for it to be, some German company had it, and I had to wait for them to abandon it, and, and I snapped it up.
0: Congratulations.
2: Thank you very much. Good on that. <laughs> uh, all
0: right, let's talk, let's get really nerdy now and talk video games. Uh, Master. what's the format going to be from here on out? Oh, we've lost McMaster. Our McMaster. master has bailed on us. So uh, while we wait on him to rejoin <laughs> us, I can actually answer that question that I asked. Uh, we will be doing News of the Week and Games of the Week. So let's start with the boring old news first. Uh, Seth Berkowitz, what is your choice
2: for News of the Week this week? My choice, and this was difficult, is, I don't think, this isn't, this isn't brand new, but I don't think it's been discussed yet. Okay. BioWare moves Dragon Age team fully on to the next thing. So this is about the uh, Dragon Age 2 expansion, uh, Exalted March, that was supposed to come out apparently, that was scrapped. Exalted March? I know nothing about it. Wow, that's a great name. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty sweet.
0: I I tend to to prefer Rarified April. Hmm. Uh, so they so
2: they've basically they've moved them on where where did they move them to seth berkowitz do we know uh well uh if i can quote a bit uh so uh post-release work i guess it was something that was supposed to come out uh on dragon age 2 has ceased uh, and the entire team repositioned on the next phase of dragon age's future bioware has announced can i can i read uh, some of this press release uh, uh slightly dramatically because i just i love i love the, the way he puts this
0: oh yes please do so here here's okay. seth berkowitz's interpretation of this is a press release from ea
2: This is uh, uh, Dragon Age executive producer Mark Dara.
0: All right, and let's hear your rendition of what Mr. Dara had to say.
2: Okay. You've most certainly heard the rumors floating around, and unfortunately I I can't really comment on them. However, what I can say is that we've been thinking a lot about Dragon Age, what it means, where it could go. This past year we've spent a lot of time both going back to the fireware vaults of games and re-examining them, and looking at some new possibilities that today's industry allows. With that, the next thing for the Dragon Age team members and I to do is to hear from you, and not just on the forums or Facebook or Twitter. The most valuable thing we can get out of those meetings is to hear from you on those same topics. What does Dragon Age mean to you, and where would you like to see it go? We're excited to hear what you have to say.
0: So, Seth, when you read that, I pictured yeah. you in a chair with a leather-upholstered chair with a tall back, you were wearing a smoking jacket, and you had a brandy snifter.
2: That's exactly how I picture Mark Dara as well. <laughs> uh,
0: so, and isn't isn't the conventional <clears throat> wisdom that this means that uh, they're kind of foundering and that Dragon Age 2 is what? basically, for all intents and
2: purposes, a commercial dead end? I guess so. It's uh, sort of a sad story. I, mean, I, don't, I don't remember exactly your feelings on Dragon Age 2. <laughs> i was not happy
0: with it i I wasn't but i didn't i thought it 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 lost a lot of what i liked about dragon age one
2: yeah 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 yeah. uh it it was an interesting game i really liked it up until i was fighting uh uh giant statues for an hour and a half (laughs) at at the very end i i I seem to run into the same wall at the end of every dragon age game where they want me to sit down and 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 fight some impossible battle for for way too long uh but my way into that game that that really got me hooked. I mean, I think you, you talked about this even with that that Resident Evil uh, uh, shooter, uh, n- not great games that somehow grab you. <laughs> ah, yes, yes. Yes. So you, were, so Dragon Age Two, you're saying would be that for you. There was something about the voice acting and the look at, and at, of, of the character that I picked mm-hmm. that uh, hit home and felt so real to me that I was on board for the entire journey. Um, but um yeah obviously uh it seems like uh, things didn't work out uh as they planned can I, I i have an idea for for dragon age well actually here's my question uh they want to go to the to the fans and ask them their their input if uh, they cra- if they crowdsource a part three uh of a bioware uh entity ahead of time is it is it still art uh, that
0: presupposes it was art in the fir- first place though <laughs> so I feel that uh your question is based on a faulty premise
2: I guess so but there 's been a lot of there 's been a lot of hemming and hawing about uh the uh the possible revision of mass effect 3's ending and and i, I found an interesting uh, uh i i don 't know if i 'd say a parallel here but sort of a an a, a preemptive strike to uh to gain um uh, fan feedback towards where this this series should go right. in a way that that runs counter to to uh the the predominant thoughts on the on the Mass Effect 3 ending.
0: It, it it almost though makes me wonder if uh this this is what EA does when they're when a franchise is basically dead. Like Dragon Age 2, they're not mm. really working on anything else, so what they want to do is just sort of assuage the fans by saying, "Hey, what should we do next?" Get a little conversation going uh so that they're not all, "Hey, tell us what's going on." You know, it they've sort of Said a little something without saying anything. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh,
0: is the impression that I get.
2: Um, well, I have an idea, but it, it would involve slight, slight discussions of, uh, of uh, Mass Effect 3 spoilers. And I don't know if, if those are on the yeah, table. Yeah,
0: that's fine for me, actually. Now, so McMaster, you have finished Mass Effect 3. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all of us on the podcast have. Uh, that's right. In a little bit, we will light a spoiler lamp and uh, talk. Well, should we do, should we do that now, Seth? It's like, do you want to tie this into the end of Mass Effect three?
2: Uh, just very briefly, almost to the point where someone could probably skip ahead, maybe sixty seconds.
0: <laughs> you
2: know, what? Boy, give us give us. I on
0: talking about it later. Myself. Oh, oh you know, good! Let's, oh, let's, oh, I'm
2: excited. That's let's great. Let's jump okay. ahead.
0: Uh, I will splice into the podcast at this point. You'll hear my voice pop up. It'll be a disembodied voice saying how long to jump ahead if you want to miss the spoilers, mm-hmm. but. Uh, as soon as you hear the beep, we will be in Mass Effect spoiler territory. Hello, this is future Tom Chick telling you that if you want to miss the Mass Effect 3 spoilers, just fast forward 10 minutes, that's right, exactly 10 minutes, and you'll be all set. So stand by for the beep in 3, 2, All right, there we are. If you haven't finished Mass Effect 3, get out of here. <laughs> I'm warning you. Uh, all right, so Seth, uh, how would this your your ideas for Dragon Age uh, Two feed into what you have to say about the end of Mass Effect Three?
2: Well, it seems a lot of people felt that that uh, uh, Bioware wanted to make Dragon Age more Mass Effecty, and that was part of of uh, w- what went into Part Two. Mm-hmm. So, picture this: Mass Effect Three, the ending. Pick the red option, right? if your war assets are high enough shepherd wakes up among the rubble right that rubble is kirkwall dragon age 3
0: <laughs> you just did like you just did the end of uh, the evil dead movie evil dead 2 <laughs> yeah
1: i went too far i said the words <laughs>
0: uh but i like it uh yeah well you know what here's the th- like i accidentally bought that silly dragon blood armor when i and when i was doing my replay of mass effect 3 and ended <laughs> up walking around because it was like i paid so much money for it and it had decent stats i spent the rest of the stupid game walking around looking like some dippy knight uh, would
2: your would your helmet come off at least when you were talking
0: well, yeah, you could turn that. out. You could set that. Of like at least going to take, you know, at least take your freaking stupid
2: helmet off. But even, uh, even even for those full armor suits, that, that that was an option.
0: Yeah.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely. good. That's, that's good. Yeah.
0: Uh, so if they can go in that direction, then you know what? Uh, l- yeah. Let let me have my little N seven emblem <laughs> when I'm playing the next uh, Dragon Age. Uh, so let's let's talk while we're here in our little spoiler area, uh, McMaster. How did you feel about the ending? Uh, I actually kind of liked it. Uh, I
1: don't know what the big deal was. Um, I thought it was a fine way to end it. Hmm? I mean, you know, uh, wh- wh- what were people expecting? I
0: guess maybe that's what I don't understand. Like, wh- why is there an uproar? Uh, I would, yeah. So, so Seth, can you be one of the guys? Like, were you okay with the ending, or can you explain to us why people hated it? Or are you going to be someone like me and McMaster, who was like, "Yeah, it was fine."
2: Um, it was fine. (laughs) Okay. Uh, certain, certain things baffle me, uh, afterwards, uh, what was going on in the Normandy, how they got there. Um, the, the sort of palette swap nature of it bothered me a little bit. Now Um, when you say the
0: palette swap nature, you just mean the fact that, uh, depending on which Indian you chose, but
2: largely, the only difference in the footage was whether it was blue, green, or red.
0: Right. Really? That's it? that's actually it. Wow.
2: Well, weren't the, it was. Well, no, that. there's more than
0: that. It's yeah. uh,
2: that's that's selling it a bit short.
0: But, I th- yeah, I think people have fixed on that, is that they reused the same cutscene and just colored it differently. But there were right. other things that were different as well. Mm-hmm. It's just that they didn't give each one its complete, own, unique, fleshed-out ending, that, that assets were reused.
1: Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I've only beaten it the one way, so I have no earthly
2: idea. Right. I did go back and beat it uh, a second way just to see how it felt. Um, God, it's a, it's, a, it's a good question. Um, well, well, my thing. Let me just uh, just see if
0: this how you would respond to this, Seth. Like, I have never thought that the guys at Bioware are really that good at, at writing. Like, they do some cool universe building stuff. Um, I, I like I like some of that, but I don't feel that they can really cash in on it very well. I think they do awful dialogue. They do terrible <laughs> characters. I, I mean. Uh, Tim James, who did our review on Quarter to Three, had right. this really astute observation that it's basically young adult fiction. Mm-hmm. And young adult fiction is fine for young adults, and some adults even enjoy it. And sometimes if you just want a little to be told of uh, a sort of a straightforward story, that kind of thing is great. And that's what I feel the guys at BioWare do. And and for me personally, that just doesn't do much for me. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. really respond to that. So I played through Mass Effect one two and three and never really got into the story that much but appreciated the game mechanics to a varying degree so when it came to the ending i kind of liked that they had this this strangely dark weird downbeat ending and i mm. really really liked that because that's not really as far as i know how most young adult fiction works yeah uh is it tends to end with some sort of affirmation uh, go forth and be a flourishing adult whatever uh but I, I like this this bleak take where they they brought everything. Yeah, uh-huh.
2: I like I like bleak very much too. Um, I I think that where people go when they were disappointed, uh, obviously when when it's reflected back on them and they're like, well, what did you want? Then the first instinct is, well, maybe perhaps something more triumphant. Um, I I don't that obviously wasn't necessary. I mean, uh, but I mean, I guess how I felt when it was over, it was that was sort of sad, sort of beautiful uh, a little bit whacked. There was a, there was a dreamlike quality to, to, to the conversations that were happening at the end. That was very odd and interesting. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you've watched those, those, those videos about people's, uh, theory that this was all an indoctrination attempt that was taking right. place in Shepherd's head. Uh, I, I, when I played it again a second time, I tried to view it through that lens and it just didn't, it didn't really feel right to me. No, it's
0: definitely forced. <laughs> that whole theory is <laughs> yeah. very forced. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 I guess I don't have a, a ton to say about it. Um, well, you know, it's, it's funny. To... I, I was I was very invested in this universe, and even to the point where, I mean, this is silly, but but the, the, the romantic relationships in that game. I I think I romanced Ashley in the first one, and then Jack in the second one, and then for two years in between two and three, had this low level guilt about the things that are, that had occurred, and, and was <laughs> looking forward to how that would wrap up. And they wrapped up uh, very interestingly. When I came back to Game Three, Ashley had sort of her sort of neuroses were coming through, and I was making all these 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 decisions about my my characters' relationships to these people mm-hmm. uh, based on you know sort of real interchanges, and that was very interesting. Um, I um, uh, what was I going to say? Um,
0: so you're invested in the story, and you you like downbeat endings. So for the I, most part, it worked for you.
2: You're saying for the most part, it. Worked worked for me it didn't work great and it's not that i wanted something more triumphant um you know there's that kind of thing where uh, the best thing you can get is what you didn't know you wanted <laughs> <laughs> sure sure uh and and um
0: well i get the I, sense that they were trying to do something in the same vein as trippy sci-fi like 2001 i mean that that's yeah. such that kind of set the standard for that kind of like thoughtful science fiction. There's going to be some weird thing at the ending, uh, you know, sunshine for instance, did something similar. Like like you have some weird, either last minute or third act twist and it's no longer hard sci-fi and it's about the sort of cosmic implications of your choices and star children show up and the universe is plunged into darkness, whatever. Like I, I like that they went in that direction and I, I wouldn't have thought they would do that. So, for, for me, I was pleased to discover it, even if there are problems with the execution. Yeah, uh, I think. Um, all right. Uh,
2: so, was that? I, by the, go ahead. I've, I've spent all week reading about it, and I'm, I'm, I'm inundated and, and almost burnt out on the topic. <laughs> well,
0: ways. I have to say, I, I kind of started that way. Like, I ultimately don't care that much about it, so I feel even guilty. <clears throat> giving an opinion in a way because yeah. my opinion doesn't matter because i'm not that invested in it. And i would never cared about the story that much so of course i'm going to be okay with the ending because it's not that big a deal so for me it's more interesting to hear about people who do care and who really yeah. did follow it and you know yeah. someone who had guilt about romancing jack and ashley for two <laughs> years I, I mean and, that, and
2: that i do i do wish that i had a little more wrap up with jack beyond a, a video conference before the final battle um, uh, it, it's funny when you mention the quality of their writing, because I thought the the wrap ups of certain storylines like Morden and, uh, and Thane, uh, Thane, a character I I really didn't even really care about, but who I thought had a pretty lovely, uh, um, ending, uh, were really, uh, well-written and, um, emotional. And, uh, there was, there was a certain, uh, I guess, uh, coldness to the ending which is fine what i did like about the ending is that i was i i I had to bring various experiences of mine to bear uh who i was willing to sacrifice and i was so uh into the uh, the joker and Edie relationship um and Edie becoming corporeal throughout uh over the course of three that that was a huge uh um uh factor in, in what i ended up choosing even if i'm a little uncomfortable with how they dramatized the end product of that choice. Does that make sense? Uh,
0: I don't remember how that turned out. What do you what do you mean how they dramatized the end product of that choice? Uh, Cuz I actually, I think I that's the choice I made. Synthesis? I, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because I encouraged uh, Seth Green not to sleep with Trisha Helfer. You did. I did. How I practical like, of you. <laughs> yeah, I'm like you're not, you're not good enough for her. No, don't 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 dance with her. Just go. Don't even think about it. So that was. So what happens if you do encourage them to
2: sleep together? Uh, they have a cute relationship, and at the end, when I chose synthesis, they uh, leave. Also known as the green the green ending, I suppose. They they leave the Normandy after a crash lands together. Um, he's got sort of, uh, uh, new, uh, circuitry running uh, through his skin uh-huh. yeah. and, um, and, um, uh, she puts his head on his shoulder as they look at the two moons or whatever that are hanging above them.
0: That's very cute. I do like it. It is very cute. It was sweet. Well, maybe I should have encouraged him to hook up. Now I feel bad. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so there's our Mass Effect three spoiler talk. Did anyone pick that for their game of the week? By the way,
2: no great insight. It's not my game of the week. No. Uh, uh,
0: I was going the, to. But it's wasn't. the
2: game of my life, Tom. It's the game of my life. <laughs> it cannot be contained in any mere week. Of course. <laughs>
0: uh, all right, so uh, let's let's break out of the uh, the spoiler uh, bit. Of Ma- if you haven't finished Mass Effect three, it is now safe to listen. on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, All right, so that's uh, that's your news of the week. Uh, things not looking very good for Dragon Age 2 at this point. Mm. We'll see how that turns out. Uh, McMaster, what do you have for your news of the week? My news of the week is the good old games broadens its focus. You stole my story. Very nice. Yes. Yes. And it, it, it's not good old games anymore. No, it's got yeah, such entity as good old games they are now yeah just gog but uh yeah gog.com
1: is signed on to start uh, selling and uh, selling pre-orders as well for indie games they have a trine in the whispered world and they're selling pre-orders for legends of grimrock or Grimrock, not grimrock so.
0: and they are promising uh or they're alluding to the fact that they intend to sell i think they've said like AAA titles as well I like guess it's not, not going to be just old indie games anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, good for
1: them. So, they're going to be taken on Steam, and we'll see how well that works out for
0: them. Uh, isn't Gog a character in BC, the comic strip? I would not know. <laughs> okay. I hate that comic strip. That'll be on next week's quiz. Okay. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, my backup news story is uh, this uh, Violence in Video Games Labeling Act, which uh, this is kind of old news. It's been going for a while. And in fact, the fellas floating this, this bill in the House of Representatives have been doing it for several years now. Uh, and it's just they, they want every video game to carry some sort of a warning that says video games can lead to violence. Uh, and the thing is, this story gets like picked up and talked about as if this was an actual thing. Which it absolutely is not. I don't know why anybody responds to it. I get emails from the ESA, the Electronic Software Association, I think. They're the lobbying group for video gaming. Nobody, this is not a real thing. This is two representatives currying for favor with their constituents no Hmm. one is going to pass this no one is going to seriously consider it just ignore it which i am not even following my own advice by bringing it up (laughs) (laughs) but i just i hate video gamers are so gullible and they're so worried that oh there's going to be you know there's going to be censorship or somebody's not going to let rockstar make an m-rated game uh you know, I think one something that video gamers need to learn to do is apply a filter to what is and isn't a viable political threat. This is not one of those. This is a non-issue, and it just strikes me as silly every time I see someone mention it or talk about it as if it was an actual thing. This is just uh, what are the names? Joe Baca, Democrat here in California. Fellow in Virginia, Republican named Frank Wolf. This is just the, these guys getting attention. It's all they're doing. Uh, don't feed into it. So there you go. There's my news of the week. Now let's get to more interesting stuff. These are actual issues. Let's each discuss our games of the Ooh, week. Right. Master, why don't you start us off? What do you got? I have Oh you, you said F- it was gonna be Mass Effect three, right? right. Yes. which uh, you finally finished. Good. Yes.
1: And uh yeah, that's about it, I guess. We kinda of covered everything All else. Alright,
0: so rewind to our spoiler uh parts. Uh and we'll talk Master Effect Master, uh what mm-hmm. uh Overall, how did you feel about Mass Effect 3? Give me your your sort of like thumbnail summary of what you thought of it.
1: Um, I liked it quite a bit. I thought it was really dark, which I approve of. Uh, It's not a super happy ending, that's for sure. It's kind of a strange ending. And, uh, yeah, it played well. Um, I'd like to play it through again to see if there's any better way to play it than as the engineer because it was super boring. Yeah, Yowza, that's what you picked? Yeah, I wanted to try it out. I Ooh. usually play, like, a soldier or something, but, uh, yeah.
0: Why is it super boring? You just drop the little sentry drone probe thing? and you Yeah, they don't really
1: work that great either, so I had to do a lot of shooting. I just saved up for the pistol, because uh, that thing does, like, a ton of damage and just pistoled everybody to death.
0: Now, here's, here, McMaster, I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to ask you... Well, what difficulty did you play on? Uh, normal, I think. Well, there you go. It's not going to be a challenge unless you boot the difficulty to the hard.
2: Duh. Uh, Tom, are you still are you still doing an insanity run? It, 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 am I no, correct in so remembering I, that you were doing that?
0: Yes. Yeah, so I, I played on normal as well, and I kind of agreed with McMaster. I loved the new combat stuff yeah. that they were doing, but I didn't really feel that on the normal difficulty level, it really let the game come alive. Right. Uh, so I started an Insane Run and was really digging it, but that was ruined for me by the arrival of another RPG, which I'll talk about shortly. Uh, uh, so I think I know which one you're talking about. Okay. Yeah, so no, I've given up on my Insane playthrough simply mm. because I'm not that invested in the game and another one has sucked up a lot of time. But I will say that I really was enjoying the combat that much more once I just went straight to the Insane difficulty level. Really? Now, that was my second playthrough, so I had... Uh, and I guess actually if you import a character from ME2, uh, actually, so it's weird. I, I, the first time I played through, it was on a pre-release build. I couldn't import my save, so mm. I started at level 1. So the second time I played through, I imported my guy from Mass Effect 2, and he was like level 28 or whatever. Uh, so you start with a whole bunch of tools at your disposal. It's very difficult off the bat. I think they scale a lot of that, of course.
2: Mm, interesting. Um,
0: but I really was enjoying it on on Insane. Now, here's the thing, too, that I, uh, you know, as long as I'm going to say mean things about BioWare, here's something else I will say about them. I really, really wish that they would tune their difficulty better in the sense that I wish there was some reason for me to play on either Easy, Normal, or Insane, that there was some commensurate risk-reward thing going on. Because what BioWare does is they just throw the game at you, and whenever you want, you move the slider From here to there. So if there's a really difficult boss fight, I can just go into option screen, bump the slider down, get past the boss fight, and then, like, I feel like that's their job. It shouldn't be up to me to hit a difficulty spike and then move a slider to get past it. Like, that's gameplay. That's tuning. That's an important part of designing a game, Mm -hmm. and I feel like Bioware kind of (laughs) shirks their duty there by just letting the player make it as difficult or as easy as, as he wants at any given time.
2: But then you, then you would miss out on the uh, insanity achievement if you started messing with the... the uh, diff- you
0: know, you're right. Actually, you're, that's a very good point, Seth. As an achievement whore, uh, you're exactly right. Like that's would, a, For me, su- that's a step of a disincentive. Uh, I so. su-
2: Are you an achievement whore? I would think that you're not. Oh,
0: he is. Oh, yes. For real? Well, well it depends oh. on what an achievement whore is. I don't play games that I don't like or do things that I don't want to do just for an achievement. But yeah. in a situation like this... It makes me want to play Mass Effect 3 on Insane if I know that there's going to be some little badge or, or an achievement that recognizes that I have done it on my yeah. profile. Uh, so I am not going to, like, I'm not going to stick with it. I don't think I'm going to get through the end. Like, no. I think of that last fight. Uh, I say the last fight, like, where it's just th- throwing waves of the most difficult oh. enemies at you. I, I, I have been dreading playing that on Insane. And I'm kind of relieved now to have given up on it and think, well, I'm never going to do that. So I'm hmm. not enough of an achievement whore that, I'm not, that I will not give up on something difficult.
1: See, what really sucked for me was uh, I played Mass Effect 1 on the 360 like a long time ago, and that was a couple of 360s ago. Ooh. And so I lost that save. And then Mass Effect 2, they sent it to me on PC. So I played it on PC, so I didn't have that save. So when I started Mass Effect 3, I had to start over again. It was crap.
2: That is crap. Crap. <laughs> Did anyone ever uh, use the Solarian pistol, I believe, that shoots a small energy charge, which then uh, explodes uh, after attaching itself to your enemy? I like the sound
0: of that, but no, I did not use
2: it. Oh, God, it was so fun. I mean, people would be floating through the air and freezing, and I would sort of pick one off that was moving, and then it would be a five-second delay, and then they would blow into chunks. I just adored it.
0: So that makes me want to ask you, Seth, uh, what retail tie-in
2: pre-order bonus gave you that gun. <laughs> I think it was just one of the shops on, on, on the Citadel, I believe.
0: What? Are you serious? You could just play. buy that? Like, you don't have to get the game from Walmart or something?
2: It, uh, no, it was no special pre-order bonus. I okay. uh, did not take <laughs> advantage of it. All right.
0: All right, so uh, Mass Effect 3, uh, that is McMaster's Game of the Week. Uh, I'm going to jump in here, and we'll save the best for last. Seth Berkowitz
2: is game of the week. you kind. It-
0: it's actually not uh, the game that displaced Mass Effect 3. That will be uh, next week. I, I'm so in love with a, a Japanese RPG called Xenoblade Chronicles, which I've been mm. playing. Uh, it completely just shut down my Mass Effect 3 insane playthrough. Uh, good lord, I love this thing. Uh, it's it's just, it's huge, it's generous, it, it gets everything right that just drove me batty about Final Fantasy XIII 2, which is another JRPG that I recently tried to play, and Actually did play and was so uninterested in. By the time I got around to the last boss battle, that I just put it down and was like, I don't, I don't care what happens. I'm not going to see the final cutscene. Um, but I feel like everything that drives me crazy about a bad JRPG, they get so right in Xenoblade Chronicles, even to the point that I would hesitate to call it a JRPG, because that, that phrase comes with so much baggage. If you're into, if you like Skyrim and The Witcher 2, if you like like really good Western RPGs, there's no reason you wouldn't also really dig Xenoblade Chronicles. Well, I can think of one reason.
1: You don't have a Nintendo Wii? Well, right, or you just don't want to use the Nintendo Wii because you feel it sucks your soul out.
0: Why does the Nintendo Wii suck your soul? I, no, I just, I really, I just don't like it. Oh, is it like the Eskimos don't don't want their pictures taken because it <laughs> yeah. sucks their soul out? That kind of thing. Sure, it, why not? No, I, 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 super-
1: I just don't really want to hook it up.
0: You know that's a shame, and I understand that. But I, I've been spending so much time with my Wii lately. It's kind of. <sighs> uh, it, it, come on, Master. For a fantastic game, you wouldn't boot up your Wii.
1: You know, maybe it comes out when like next week. Like-
2: I, when there's only 480 lines of resolution, I can't really see what's going on on the screen. Yeah, that, that's really my tell. biggest
1: problem. I have a 61 just, inch
2: it 's Just a big blur.
0: It really is a little painful to look at it, guys. Yeah. I mean, the artwork is really <laughs> lovely. They do some really gorgeous stuff in there, but it's, you know, seeing this low res stuff is just sort of like, Ugh. oh, guys, come on. I mean, and especially after Final Fantasy XIII, too, which had mm. really good production values. I mean, for all the stuff that was done wrong in that game, it certainly looked great. Uh, so to be playing, but you know what? You guys play retro games. You guys can appreciate games from the nineties and the, the aughts. So, but, but you're right, McMaster. It it can be a little difficult to take, but I tell you, once this game gets its hooks in you, you will not care that it's
2: on the Wii. Uh, although I will say that sounds like a box quote, by
0: the way, you can quote me on that. I will say though, (laughs) also put this on the box don't even think of playing Xenoblade Chronicles unless you've got one of those classic game controllers. Don't think you're going to play this with your Wiimote and your Nunchuck, because you are not. You are definitely not. I've Um, got a
1: bunch of those. I've got a golden one. Oh.
0: (sighs) Well, I would even recommend the. uh, I I just got back from a store run to pick up the game class, the game controller Classic Pro, whatever. Uh, I, I, you know, I I, because I've spent so many hours with this thing, I'm going to spend so many more. I just wanted the high end Classic Controller Pro. So yeah, but that's not my game of the week. I don't even know why we're talking about it. My game of the week is a little thing I discovered at GDC when someone mentioned it in in. And his uh, his frame of reference was, hey, there's this really cool game that you should try. And that's all he said. Uh, and he said it was called Waking Mars. It's on the iPhone. I uh, knew nothing beyond the name of it and the platform. And that the guy who said it, he's a fellow who works at LucasArts named uh, Matt Vorch, that the guy who said it uh, is a real smart guy, and I trusted things he recommended. So I picked up and, and, and playing a game called Waking Mars, which is for all intents and purposes, when you sit down to play it, it looks like a uh, like a, a Metroid-style game. You know, it's a 2D side-scrolling
1: uh, thing. A Metroidvania-style game, kind of like where you explore. Or? Exactly,
0: and you're exploring rooms, and when you hit the exit, it goes to the next room. And the idea is that the the twist here. Uh, you know, it's well-suited to the uh, the iPhone because to control your dude, you just tap on the screen. And if you've tapped on the ground, he walks to that point on the ground. If you tap in the air, he just uses a little jetpack to fly over there in the air. And the jetpack has unlimited jetpack juice, whatever you call it, so you don't have to worry about like timing or anything like that. You just tap where you want him to go. Now, the twist here
2: is that unlike uh, a Metroid – yeah, go ahead. A lot of juice in your games lately. You got jetpack juice, jump juice, mm. jump juice. There's mana juice, juice
0: in mini games. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, so the twist here with your unlimited jetpack juice uh, is, unlike most Metroidvania games, there is no combat. This is strictly an exploration game which is, I think, a beautiful decision to make. Just like streamlining the the controls, they've streamlined the gameplay. So what happens is to get through the different rooms, what you have to do basically is cultivate the area that you're in to a certain point by by bringing new flora and fauna to life. Um, you know what? It almost even taps in a way into like if, if you've ever played like a harvest moon and can kind of dig that thing where you plant seeds and you grow them and you harvest them. It's not quite like that, but it's that same kind of vibe. Like if you like this idea of, of, of cultivating nature, of letting nature run her course, that's how instead of shooting things, that's how you progress in waking Mars is that you are. You're literally waking the flora and the fauna on Mars to get to the next area. And as you're playing rather than giving you a bunch of rules about this does this and this does this and this gives you this many points, uh, as you're playing, you build information into a sort of a mars Mars a It's like a a little uh, uh, research screen that will tell you about a given plant and their details about what the plant eats and how it reproduces and how you grow it and what terrain it likes. And as you fill in bits of information – uh, you unlock more stuff that this plant can do, and that's how you progress through the game. So that, that's my game of the week. It's a weird little thing I discovered called Waking Mars. It's, I think, a $5 downloadable game for the iPhone. Uh, I think I'm near the ending, uh, and I really like it. It's just a nice twist on that uh, Metroidvania formula, as you called it, McMaster. Hmm.
2: So there you go. Uh, Very that- nice. Is that is that available on, on uh, Android as well, or no?
0: not familiar with an Android. What is that?
2: Uh, it's this uh, second tier platform for phones that I uh, have been saddled with because my provider did not have iPhones when I was picking my new phone. You so, play games yeah. on it? I don't think I have back. games for that. Yeah. Um, if I if I have sort of like a plastic overlay for the for the for the screen itself, there are some uh, very primitive tic tac toe games that I can play.
0: <laughs> that kind of sucks. Wow. So all these like great <laughs> iPhone games in your yeah.
2: I'm fine. I have an iPad and it's fine. I just you know I'm not really into that, that game game space for some reason. It doesn't quite grab me.
0: That's a fair point, but I would say though, there there's there's a lot of creativity. Uh like you Absolutely. can find some unique creativity there that, that you can't get.
2: I love jetpack joyride. So I, I'm not without exceptions. Uh uh there's some there's some great stuff out there that, that new, hits home with me.
0: New content coming for Jetpack Joyride. Oh yeah, what kind of stuff? Uh let's see, a gravity belt and uh what else? Like just new unlockables and uh McMaster, do you know what, what they're adding? No, not not fully. Gravity it's, Belt sounds cool. It's a free update. It's basically a free content update uh, because they've been so incredibly successful and have more money than God. Uh, they, <laughs> they're releasing a, a, a new content update. Uh,
2: Good for them. April, yeah. That's a great game. And my, yeah. my, my, I got my dad into it too, which is exciting. Yeah.
0: Uh, all right. So, Seth Berkowitz, is that your game of the week?
2: What, Jetpack Joyride? Yeah. Uh, I'm afraid it's not. My uh, game of the week is MLB The Show 12 for the PS3. And the reason why I, I I say the PS3 is because there is a mode on the PS3 version that is not on the Vita version. Oh.
0: Well, you and rarely is, see that, that a handheld doesn't get content on the full console system. That's crazy. Yes,
2: yes. <laughs> yes. But in every other respect, well, almost every other, the Vita is uh, such an amazing replication of the PS3 experience. Uh, uh, for a handheld system, but uh, there is one mode that is very interesting called Diamond Dynasty. I don't know if you've heard of it.
0: No, but I hear that the Reds are on the upswing this year. Yes. <laughs> uh, Diamond Dynasty. I like the sound of that because it makes me okay. think you get to like trade diamonds and you, you import them from Africa and decide whether or not to blood traffic diamonds. in blood diamonds. Yeah, yeah. It's
2: all about hitting blood diamonds over the fence.
0: I like. Um, Wait a minute. Yeah, explain Diamond Dynasty.
2: It sounds Diamond cute. Dynasty. Begins with you uh, picking a region and a team name, and you'll probably have to go through about nine or ten team names because most of them are taken by now. Uh, and this is uh, a, a mode that is sort of always hooked in uh, to the online space. Uh-huh. Um, uh, so this is a custom team that you create, and you get to create their uniform and their logo as well. Mm-hmm. So pick the colors. Uh, I spent hours on this, as you can imagine, based on some of the stuff I've divulged in, in, in my game diaries as far as uh, my love of uniforms and whatnot. Um, uh, and they they have a logo editor that's sort of along the lines of, I, I believe you played Forza back in the day, right? Yep. The, the, the the decal customization that you could do in that game. Um, uh, so you uh, create this team. In my case, uh, I went through a lot of names until I found the uh, the Queen's Kaisers. Um <laughs> and uh i'm surprised that wasn't taken Seth. (laughs) me too uh what happens in this mode um i'm not sure if you're familiar with the ea games and their their ultimate team modes which are uh sort of a card based uh team building mode where you have uh different tiers of cards from like bronze silver gold with different real life players that you then you you have a team that you start with you earn uh coinage and then you can buy uh new packs with new players uh and 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 new tools to train your players and to extend contracts it's a big money making scheme because obviously you can also buy coinage to buy new packs and stuff like that so was, so, there,
0: a, was there a madden game that did this yeah yes.
2: madden did it and it was it's big in fifa oh, i okay. almost got addicted to it in fifa before uh an intervention was staged that pulled me out of it it was very <laughs> close um i've definitely heard of this so it it sounds like this uh diamond dynasty thing is like that yes it is but the developers make the distinction that this is not sort of a pay to win uh scenario the way that they've set it up uh you do get cards but it's more focused on uh fictional players that you are granted of different levels say uh, uh bronze silver gold uh platinum they're fully editable So when you bring them in, you can change their appearance, uh, you can change their name to anything you like, like, uh, Pregnancy Jones or Flapjacks McGillicuddy. Um, (laughs) uh, and, uh, uh, they are, they all have like a, a sort of a set amount of, of time that their contract will last, say 25 to 40 games. And that's it. You can't renew their contract. Uh, so that's it. And it's sort of, you know, in in the space, which they've created, it's a nice long career. You can play both online against other people's custom teams, or you can play against the computer and play against MLB teams. And if you beat the MLB teams, you unlock the stadiums for use with your own team. Uh, so each player has different skills and, uh, the most important, uh, attribute, which is called aptitude, which, uh, is the effectiveness of your, training on them via your budget. When you spend money on training these players, the higher their aptitude, the easier it is, the more cost effective it is to up their stats. Mm -hmm. So basically, you're building a custom team out of all these things. And then when you play teams, either online or offline, uh, even if you lose you're getting a new influx of money like the, if you lose you get three million dollars if you win depending on then and you might like this because uh, it scales with the risk that you take if you play on say veteran you get a certain amount of money if you win if you play on the next level up you get more money if you win if you play at legend you get a lot of money if you win mm-hmm. and that and then that money that goes back into your team you can invest into training or buying new packs Uh MLB players are available but at a limit of 10, uh, 10 game contracts, so they're really just sort of hired hands and, and utility players so it's not about buying great MLB players to make your team super powerful it's really about building your own things from these very from from these uh, uh, custom player cards uh, and building your own team and then you can play online you can play against the computer you can design your outfits and uh, it uh, it definitely resonates with me I, I what I'm hoping this leads towards there uh, is, down the road, and sometimes Sony moves sort of slow in this regard, um, is an expansion team mode. Because that's what I would love to use these tools for, this custom uh, uniform tool and, and, and uh, custom team names. There was a game uh, back in the day called All-Star Baseball that had a, a, a great mode called expansion mode, where you would create a team in a city, uh, a city that didn't have a team, like Brooklyn. You would bring a team back to Brooklyn and uh name them and there would be a draft and you could steal some sort of mm, bc level players from all around the league and then have them do cool things like play in the on ebbets field uh which i don't know if you that know where that is but that's a, uh, where the dodgers used to play in brooklyn uh has since been demolished um so all this great uh you know really customized stuff so you felt a real sense of ownership over your team And uh, I'm hoping that they go there with these tools in the next year or two in the show. But for now, this is a really interesting uh, card-based team-building mode that, thankfully, the way they've set it up doesn't feel like I need to spend money to excel, like there's worthwhile stuff there to get and to build with within the system that they've built. Does that make sense? (laughs) Now,
0: here's the the $64,000 question. Yes. How much money have you spent on it?
2: How much money have I spent zero? Oh, you haven't bought any uh, little packs or anything? I have principles. Unfortunately, I haven't, <laughs> been, I, I haven't been able to put as much time as I'd like to into this because of both the game diary that I'm writing on, on Road to the Show and a little game called Mass Effect 3, which I think took me 30-something hours to play. But uh, I've put some time into it, built my team, played some games, and I plan to play some more. But I, it seems like... Everything is there for you to get joy and customization out of this mode without having to drop real coin on it. The way the developers described it as far as being able to spend money on 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 um, player packs was not so much uh, to build a super team, because, again, those, those professional players are only, you only get a 10-game contract, so they're not around that long. But just to let people, uh, if they wanted to build teams with their favorite MLB players for a while, I guess, I, that's probably not the whole truth of it but uh it seems like it seems like a non-cynical <laughs> mode created by people with their hearts in the right place and i i i think there's some potential there
0: uh, how much did you spend on uh specter
2: packs in mass effect 3 specter packs uh another card based system to get a leg up uh none and in fact i wish that i could take back the two and a half hours i spent on saturday building up my galactic readiness so that i could have so that i could have played journey instead in that time uh, you would, journey would have taken you 15 minutes you're fine <laughs> <laughs> because in the end i don't think the four or eight galactic readiness points i gained in that time i was having a really difficult time because for some reason that night people kept quitting and then i'd be in the middle of matches that would go nowhere it was really awful uh, uh, but I wish I could have that time back. So um, you
0: ground to get someone to 20 and then discovered that it made no difference whatsoever. You could have instead just flown out to some star field and picked up, uh, some wreckage and it would have been worth just as many points.
2: I did all that and I did all the N seven yeah. missions. So it was I, like, I did the offline alternatives to the, to the online stuff. I sort of like the online stuff when you got a good group and I found an, an assault rifle that had some punch to it. Um, uh, I had, I had the, a common thing where I, I saw someone's quote that, that vanguards are like uh, the, the drummers of the, the Mass Effect community, which is sort of a slight against vanguards, I suppose. So I, I, I found myself often getting into, into lobbies and then being uh, kicked. Because oh, because you were, you were the vanguard, yes. because yeah. Because I, I was either a redundant vanguard or they didn't want to play with the vanguard at all or my level wasn't high enough. I think I, I stalled currently at, I'm at level 17 or 18. I've gotten no one to 20 uh but i may go back here's the question in light of of what's going on with bioware sort of backtracking do i do i get rid of my copy of, of mass effect 3 now or do i hang on to it and see what what develops you get rid of it sell so, it such a quick to some answer child.
0: yeah yeah sell it to some you know put it use game sales or whatever let some other child have a turn with mass effect
2: 3 <laughs> and then you, and then if anything else develops just youtube it yeah just youtube it don't support that don't what do support you th- that what effect. do you think mcmaster
1: Yeah, I agree. That's that's ridiculous. They shouldn't change it.
2: Because what Uh, I've done is I already submitted it to, you know how Amazon has their trade-ins? And and they're they're like, mail it by this date. I often find myself, when I have the inkling to trade a game, uh, sort of just submitting those trade-ins and then leaving the the buffer time of that week before you have to mail it to really think it over. Right. And that's where I am right now. I have to decide by April 1st whether...
0: It's like the the cool-down period. It's like the waiting period before you can
2: buy a handgun. Because that was an intense time after I first beat that game. I mean, there were, there were a lot of feelings flowing through my, my little man cave right here. Probably not the best time to make a decision. Let me put it this way, Seth Barkowitz. Has there ever been a time where you have sold a game and then
0: later wished you hadn't sold it? Yes. Oh, really? Yes. Because I've never experienced Like what? When, when did you get rid of Actually, I guess I, I just have, have learned over my many decades of playing games when not to get rid of one. Uh, but I, when did you get rid of one and then you later regretted
2: it? I think nine out of ten times, uh, there's no regret. It's, it's always the right decision. Um, uh, games that I've bought multiple times, the most recent one was Red Dead Redemption. Oh, I you played...
0: shouldn't have got rid of that. I could have told you if you'd asked me first.
2: To <laughs> <laughs> I played the heck out of it. I did, I did, I, 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 Loved it, despite hating the Mexico sequence for various reasons. Being asked to do yeah, that, I did. I did a pretty, I didn't,
1: pretty uh, shitty part of
2: the game, but the rest of it's great. Yeah, forced to, to do things I didn't uh, approve of. But speaking of endings, uh, one of the most emotional and just uh ending, in, yeah. incredible endings that I've, that I've ever <laughs> seen in a game. Um, but I got rid of it because I thought I was done with all the single player content, and then uh, yeah. sort of a, a community that I that I play right. with sometimes. There was a revival of sorts where they were like, let's all, the posse's going to ride again. And uh, I uh, found myself tracking down a, uh, a, a copy again. By then it was relatively cheap, so it wasn't a terrible thing. And when I hopped back on, we only did it for two or three nights. Uh, but God, that game is beautiful. And just, just riding around that yeah, space with the, with the changing light and the changing weather with a bunch of people, it's sort of a, a, a magical experience.
0: So did you re-get rid of it, or you still have that copy? Tom
2: Schick, I re-got rid of it. <laughs>
0: Seth Berkowitz. Because you know what? When you describe that, I'm like, hey, we should all play Red Dead yeah. Redemption. Do uh, some of those Undead Nightmares missions or whatever. I, I want to do that. that,
2: yeah. yeah. Gonna... I never did the Undead Nightmare online. Well,
1: set.
0: you screwed up, didn't you? <laughs> well, Undead Nightmare has a good, uh, good... I mean, it's got a decent horde mode. I mean, it doesn't... There yeah. are better horde modes you can play, but there's a nice. cool horde mode
2: there. Uh, yeah, do, you guys, do you guys have the sensation, though? I mean, I don't know if you do, where I am haunted by a, a shelf with too many games on it.
0: I have an entire room. <laughs> so you've broken I, through that. Uh, well, I just keep the door closed in the room. <laughs> That's great. And, yeah, uh,
1: I, I do a great purge every year or two, and with yeah. all the crap, and then uh-huh. like I just keep whatever I've liked for the most part.
0: So, McMaster, I've, have you ever gotten rid of something and then regretted it? Sure, ODST.
1: Though I don't particularly like the game. But like, in firefight mode, exa- why are you... Exa- exactly. What, I wouldn't... Master- I wouldn't bet it check- again.
0: I, I okay. Know. Well, check with me next time you YouTube, right. Seth, before you guys do anything rash. I can I can talk you down
2: but mass, but mass effect 3 is is it i have a green light on, on oh settings, please but, yeah please. you're done with that <laughs> you're so dismissed you're, I, I know. Your, your your tone <laughs> sort of discounts the, the the weight of the entire experience i feel like which was, was you know i would important say
1: keep it except for the fact that i just don't think they'll support the multiplayer a lot
2: yeah yeah i don't i don't see it there, there are rumors they, of them of them unlocking all the classes which goes to some of your complaints tom yeah as far as not being able to play it the way you want that that may happen soon where they're going to open it up a bit
0: you know Seth, so, i don't I don't know if i would be more angry if they did that or if they didn't do that
2: that's a that's a good point yeah yeah that's a good I'm point not
0: sure i think it's a lose-lose
2: situation whichever one they do i'm i'm gonna be pissed it's it's interesting how many lose-lose situations bioware is faced with right now <laughs> they always are always those guys
0: yeah. oh god all right, so, uh, yeah, sorry we, uh, we skipped pitcher baseball talk. I didn't have much to say beyond the fact that, you know,
2: the Reds are really looking good this year. Yeah. Would you, would, do you ever see yourself having fun designing a uniform for a team?
0: Uh, okay, so in, in, in Xenoblade Chronicles, <laughs> oh, uh, when you – shut up, McMaster. <laughs> I'm going to explain about my choice of shoes. This is a very important thing.
2: I love this stuff. I love this stuff. In Absolutely. Xenoblade
0: Chronicles, when you equip a character with a piece of gear, the 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 gear definitely shows on the character model based on what it is. So, for instance, at one point you get to a, a jungle area, and some of the things you'll find is like a, like jungle shoes or jungle armor, stuff like that. It's themed, uh, and then of course there's like stuff that's like iron or cloth or uh, they're they're swimming outfits which are like light armor that that looks like a bathing suit so at any rate my favorite character uh is a a chick named malia uh she's not even the lead character and she's far and away the one that i love the most in this game so malia i'm constantly giving her the best equipment she gets the pick of the best stuff first before anything else showing a little favoritism there however for her you know she's limited to medium or light armor the best, uh, medium armor I had at one point was something called, uh, uh, jungle boots. And they were boots from the jungle. And if you put them on those characters. You don't say. They would have. <laughs> you probably can't tell from the name. Uh, but when you put them on a character, they tend to have like feathers or tiger stripes or something. On, on Malia, for whatever reason, it's this weird mismatched thing where one boot is like a leopard print. And the other boot is like this purple cloth with feathers. And I guess they thought it would be cool to look all like funky and grungy. Mm-hmm. And it looks like something Stevie Nicks would wear or whatever. So this gave her the best armor class, by the way. It gave her the best physical and uh, what's called ether protection, it's magic protection. However, I was not going to have her going out in an outfit like that. So she does not get jungle boots. Malia, you are not going anywhere dressed that way. Put on something that looks dignified, and I don't care about what your armor class is. So when you ask me, Seth Berkowitz, did I ever see myself designing uniforms? Unequivocally, yes.
2: Uh, you go. Did, uh, one more question. Did you yeah. did, did you both play Mass Effect with the, uh, the From Ashes DLC, which granted you the extra yeah. outfits for your party members?
0: I did, yeah. The what
2: DLC? From Ashes, the Javic. Oh, oh no, the Prothean. I. Didn't.
0: Oh, I didn't. But now
1: you could pick, oh, I mean, like I, I the could. Commander pick... complains a lot. That guy. <laughs>
0: it, I still had a choice of like. Outfits. You had two.
2: You had two outfits for each character, right? As opposed to, the, I, I believe you were granted three if you had the From Ashes DLC.
0: Oh, and the, these were. At, they also had stat differences, right?
2: No, no, they were purely cosmetic yeah. for your oh, party numbers.
0: So did you then have to opt for not getting the stat bonus from the other two outfits?
2: Wait, there were stab bonuses associated oh, yeah. with other oh, people's yeah. outfits? Yep. Where, was that, where was that listed?
0: Oh, I recall I mean, the EA did a good job hiding it. But definitely when you switched outfits on any of your crew members, it would change like a shield bonus or a damage bonus. And I recall them not being anything to sneeze at. Like they were maybe like plus 20% in certain areas. But you definitely, your outfit gave you some bonus. For I'll have to look into that when I, when I do my,
2: my renegade femship.
0: Uh, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You're, you've, you've got a due date coming to send that back to
2: Amazon, though. So oh, you're, not gonna you're, that right, you're right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> Don't weasel um, out of this. Berkowitz. I was hoping I could sneak that by you. <laughs> dive, dive back in. So. I, I can't. I just can't wait to take my second character through to that that inspiring ending.
0: <laughs> nope. Sorry, no. uh, Amazon. Uh, you got to send it to them, or they're going to come calling. Also,
1: you know, one thing about that game is—is is it just me or does everybody need to shut the hell up? You know, too like, chatty for you. Well, they're always sh- shouting at you. You know, it's like Shepherd, hurry up, <laughs> Shepherd! Like, yeah, what, what the hell am I doing? Really, am I just like dicking around? You know, is there not enough of a sense of urgency with the Reapers killing everyone? Oh, uh, oh my God! Is this just? Are you talking about like the combat chatter? Well, there's that, and just, like, any time you're on a mission, everybody, and, you know, of course, the whole, like, everybody, like, is being threatened by the end of the world, and they're like, you know what? I would love to help you, but, you know.
2: (laughs) Can Uh, uh, can I ask you guys who uh, each of your your sort of go-to party members were? uh, Liara
1: and um, James, actually. James? Are you kidding me? No, he had a pretty good build for tanking. I was playing an engineer. You didn't mind his his dude his dude bro uh, uh, aesthetic. <laughs> no, I don't really care as long as he can kill something.
2: Yeah, I actually thought there was a lot of uh, consternation going in about uh, that character, but I thought Freddie Prince Jr. acquitted himself. I mean, he's an actor, like, and yeah. it showed. It showed in the performance. I thought well, he, he did really a good job. I mean, he it's did a real, like... yeah.
1: It's the best thing he's been associated with. You know? <laughs> Wait a minute. Wasn't he in a
0: Wing Commander game?
1: Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, naturally, other than that. You know, obviously that. Or was Maybe he in the movie? Was, was he in the movie? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't think there's any claim that that was a quality <sighs> yeah. product. Yeah. No. Oh, no. Uh, McMaster, uh, I just want to tell you in Xenoblade Chronicles, when you're wow. fighting, the characters are very chatty, but invariably almost every single thing they say is information. They're either announcing what ability they're doing, they're telling you that you will get a little bonus if you come over and help them, or they're saying they're going to come help you, or they're they're calling out that they've just killed someone. Like, there's a lot of chatter going on, but all of it is information-based. Like, it's all useful. I love that I, about that game.
1: I don't mind that. I mind, like, if you, And there's a few places in Mass Effect 3 this happens where you're, like, wandering around trying to figure out exactly what to do, because sometimes there's not... You know, quest markers. So, you know, and they're like, "Yo, we need to get out of here. It's just like over and over again. Are you serious? Really? Do we need to get out of here? You know? Uh, it's very like, time critical, McMaster. You might fail the mission. Actually, so, I do remember
0: there is one there point. There is one freaking mission that that happens in, and oh, I found it. Is it only mm. that one mission? Because I assumed when I ran into that, I assumed that that meant that when they told me I needed to get moving, from now on I would have to get moving or they would spawn more dudes. Are you talking late in the game or are you talking... When was that? I just remember at one point someone saying, "You better hurt." It might have been the Mars research station or something. At one point, someone saying, "We better hurry and go," and
2: I was like, "Whatever. Let me check for let me check for weapon mods." And, and they I, weren't they weren't bluffing in this case, huh?
0: And they weren't bluffing. Like it spawned oh. new dudes, and I I, n-
2: I never believe them when they say that. I think well, I well, could just sit around and look for days for. There's uh, this yeah,
0: one. Data pads.
2: one but it's
1: it like kind of in the end game, and you're on like a space base. I'm not gonna say anything more than that. And like you're in the fighter hangar, and you're like running around, fighting, and everything. Oh, and, maybe that
0: was it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and like it's saying like, oh, they're gonna vent the chamber over and over again, vent it into space. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. And I'm trying to figure out what to do. Then all of a sudden, they vent the chamber. Like, oh, wow. right awesome! Right <laughs> as I found the button I needed to press that I've been looking for. I press it, it starts a cut scene, and then it goes, you know, does the game over thing.
2: I think I came real close to having the same problem because I could not figure out what to do in that. Yeah, you have to climb a ladder, apparently. I went around, I did the circuit like two, two and a half times looking for, for the next button I needed to push.
0: I remember yeah. that circuit, yeah. It's, yeah, it's very frustrating. Circuit. yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Tom, who, who, Tom, who was your party, your standard party Oh, uh, let's member? see,
0: I took the bird, uh, Garrus I took him a lot, because I was the uh, uh, is it an adept? Like, I did adept stuff so I took him, and I guess uh, James, like, I just
2: wanted a couple of dudes with wow. guns Man, But that's the, so different, that's so interesting Yeah,
0: well, the first time I played when I, I was just like a, I think a soldier or whatever, like, I liked bringing along uh, Edie and Liara, but um, yeah, I just want someone else to come shoot the guns, and I'm going to do my little spells Who, who were you leaning towards?
2: Uh, I, uh, Edie and, Lo- and Liara almost exclusively. Liara makes things float and Edie sets things on fire. That's and, a, and you just, a wonderful duo. And you just hang back and watch. I, uh, would shoot that awesome Solarian pistol that, that would stick to people and then explode them. Right, right. Now, what and was, then if I, and then I also, I was, I mean, I was a Vanguard, so I I'd do a little chargey charge. Oh, right, right. You were the drummer of the well, universe, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> uh, it, uh, it's funny. So you, you were sort of a, a Garrus fan. I no no I, not at all. I just wanted. Oh really? To with Gun, Gun, uh, I,
1: yeah. I, I like Garrus quite a bit myself.
2: I had so little interest in Garrus, and yet the game was hardwired to suggest my deep connection to Garrus. That by the time they had their sort of uh, their 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 patting on the back, you know, jocular one-upmanship on the in, in the Citadel it just it it felt so long to me because i I had nothing personally invested in it, and I just you know had to accept it for what it was that this was an assumption made on on the writer's parts that i that my shepherd felt this way, but i felt I felt nothing of the sort. <laughs>
0: You know how I remembered a lot of the, the race names? Because wh- every time I like get reacquainted with the Mass Effect, like, I, I'm not a huge fan of the universe, so I have to like relearn, okay, what's an Asari, what's a yeah. Solarian. You know what a, what a, what a Volus is offhand? I the Volus, them. aren't they like, uh, are those this Fora? No, I don't know who the Volus are. Who yeah. are they? How about an, uh, an Elcor? Oh, no, no, I do know the Vorus. They're the Ferengi, of course, right. Uh, an Elcor, that sounds familiar okay. too. What is an Elcor?
1: The floor, the Long limbed things that kind of float—is that what? Oh they're... no, they're the elephant dudes, right? They're the like. Oh, the elephant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ones yeah. that mild no,
0: amusement.
2: Yeah. So here's how uninvolved I am. I was, I was hoping someone would do an impression of one. Yeah, thank you, I, thank I you, McMaster. <laughs> uh,
0: so Garrus is a Turian, and the way I remember that is because their faces are like turines. Turines, of course, being like these soup bowls. It's like they're wearing a soup bowl over their over their faces. Because they've huh. got like the metal faces, right? Like it's a Turian, right? They look like they look like armored cats to me. Well, there's yeah. no word for an armored cat though. Like so so I just armored think Turian. Cats. Turian sounds like Tureen. it's a soup bowl. Uh solarian, of course they have celerity, they talk fast. Um oh. uh, Asari. Here's so the Asari are the diplomatic race, so therefore they're, they're constantly they're, having they're, to they're... say I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right. That's excellent. False. They're very diplomatic.
2: That's, that's uh, so good that I wonder if it, it uh, actually had some influence on the naming of the race. That's quite good. I'm sure that's how they came
0: up. with. Well, come on, Salarian, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know.
2: Salamanders, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what? You're probably See, right. You, uh, you, you missed out on uh, not having Javik. My favorite line in the game was one of Javiks. You you had him, right, McMaster? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: When they uh, Can I spoil this for you, uh, Tom? Oh, Are yes, yes. Gonna, I'm, I'm going to be sending my copy to Amazon as well shortly, so.
0: uh, I will actually keep mine, so uh, you guys have to get rid of yours. I'm hanging. That's not fair. If you're going to keep, I'm going to keep mine too. Well, the thing is, I get my stuff like sent to me, and I feel it's Uh, a a little weird. I I sort of also feel like I need to keep a lot of stuff in case I ever have to
2: refer to things. So, for professional reasons, you're a professional, and I'm I'm just a layman who who, you know needs to. to, No, I'm a jerk put bread on the table Well, so what
0: would be your favorite line from the from the game then
2: uh obviously uh uh, javik being fifty thousand years old was present for many of the current races uh uh, early less evolved incarnations uh there's some mention in the normandy uh, in the room where javik is hanging out after they revive him from his pod uh of the solarians um and there's a long pause and javik says they used to eat flies
0: because they're like frogs, they're like yeah. amphibians. I see, right? That's mean.
2: Uh, my my reading may not have been the best, but the, the voice actor's timing was impeccable. It was really for yeah. a video game. I thought it was actually really uh, uh, expertly done. Uh, bit of business.
0: Didn't Jarvik have like a Caribbean accent? Like, didn't he sound a like bit the, the trolls yeah. or the sh- or the yeah the trolls in World of Warcraft? Yeah,
2: little, I I wouldn't know anything about that 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 heathen game addictive experience
0: uh me thinks that does protest too much
2: the only the only mmo i ever got into was dc universe and uh even that got to a danger point i had to let it go right good choice good choice good one though right it was fun really fun if you're only going
0: to play one mmo you could do far worse than that seth yeah
2: like you actually like control and fight things and it's it's goofy you could be characters like uh, Rachel Raven Riley and Ruby Rider and Roxy Rocket <laughs> show up. If only, if only.
0: Well, Seth Berkowitz, thank you for joining us today. Uh, I could hear so out with you for so much longer, and uh, I, uh, if you're ever in L. A., you, you know what? As a matter of fact, you're probably gonna have to move to L. A. Eventually,
2: given what you do. Right? Doesn't everyone in your line of work come to L. A. Most of the work is done there in L.A., and it is a concern if, God forbid, my company were ever to go to business, and I hope it doesn't, because I love it, uh, I would probably have to relocate there. Awesome. I, I, I almost moved there in 2004, um, and, uh, but then happened to get this job here that kept me into new York, in, in New York. But we really like out there. That's that's where I was originally born. So I've got a lot of... You know what? Come, come on out. Everyone's doing a lot of ties. By the way, uh, speaking of coming out, are either of you coming to uh, PAX East by any chance, or is, is, is that no, not the case? I will not be at PAX East either. Are you going? This is my my first uh, video game convention event that I will be attending, so yes.
1: Uh, Troy Goodfellow will be there, though. So oh,
2: yeah? Yeah, yeah. Go find him. His uh, was... is not one that I usually uh, uh, partake in as far as strategy games, although I love I love his voice, I love his way of speaking, I like listening to him. <laughs> but I don't understand what he's saying, usually. Just... Uh, Troy, I think
0: you guys could talk a lot about baseball. Oh no, no, hockey. He's the one. He's he does <laughs> nah, the hockey thing. Yeah, right? and he also he also knows about baseball too. He plays in the mm. out of park league. The yeah, does out of the park stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, enjoy uh, PAX East. Uh, Thank you very much. Let us know. Should how be it interesting uh McMaster and I will be back next week with John oh no oh whoops I'm sorry I lied next week we will be uh here with Rudy Basso another recent contributor to uh the front page Rudy did a a great series of short stories for us called Farming Vader about Star Wars Old Republic I thought he he did a great job uh and he'll be here next week I don't know if he's still playing Old Republic. He'll he'll let us know. Uh, So join us for that. I am Tom Chick. I've been here with Jason McMaster, Seth Berkowitz, and we hope to see everyone here next week. now, uh, like Ryan Gosling bursting into the room with a shotgun.